Good evening. Today is the day we have all been waiting for, the second episode of Harry's Take. I'm so glad to be back, and I am honored to have my very special guest with me today. Drafted 73rd overall in the 1998 NFL Draft, Mitchell Merrow. Good to be with you, Mitch. Good to be with you, Harry. I'm happy to be your second um, interview. Oh, I'm very honored. So, uh, let's. You were a, a defensive lineman in college, recruited uh, from Brunswick High School, and a star at in the Penn, at uh, the Penn Quakers. And so, what was the um, scouting process like? Were did scouts come directly in contact with you, or were you more had to take your own initiative? Um, yeah, I was. You know, I, I was lucky enough to have lots of scouting interest um, after my junior year there. So um, I had a really good. I, I had a very good junior year. I set a bunch of records for sacks, and tackles for losses, and and you know, I was I was a a good. Um, size human being for the NFL. I was 6'5", 290, very good speed. So um, I got the attention of scouts. And it was, I was, you know, the Ivy League did not have a lot of NFL guys back then. It was very sporadic every once in a while. But yeah, at, at all my games, my senior year, at, at, at all my games, I had, and, and practices, you know, there would be scouts from different teams and they would show up and watch how I practiced and watch the games. And then um, after the season was over, um, the, the, the scouts will come visit and have more. They're allowed to test you and do some other things with you that they can't do during the season. Oh, that's interesting. Because I know some guys like declare themselves, so it's good that you had assistance by the scouts. Yeah, when I played, they didn't have any of the stuff they have now, like this crazy transfer portal, and certainly didn't have uh, you know any any money coming in um, like these kids today, but. You know, they, they look. There are scouts. Are these scouts talk? And certainly, I got early on a lot of looks from like the local guys from Philly for the Eagles, and and then as word got out, they um, what happens is after your junior year, they some different groups will come and run a forty, like the things you do at the combine, and they'll just test you just to to rate you. So I, after that, I had a good. I did well on my you know the measurables and. And the next season, they got a lot of attention, so it was very helpful. Yeah, speaking of the combine, so what was your combine like? Where was it? And uh, first, what do you what do you have to say about the experience of being in the NFL Combine? Um, so the the combine is in Indianapolis. Every year they have it in Indianapolis. It's it's, it's been a long standing deal. Um, the the experience is the once in a lifetime. You know, they they invite a certain number of, of top college athletes um, and they fly you in. You have to do all sorts of crazy things. Like you have to sign away a release like they, where they can do like an FBI level search into your background. You have to release that. You're, they can look at any information. And then they give you a bunch of these little short gray shorts and a little gray t-shirt. And that's what you wear for the rest of the combine with a little number on it. And they drug test you. And then they, um, they, they obviously put you through the 40 and the vertical and, um, broad standing broad jump and, um, bench press. And then 
a bunch of individual position drills. So I was a defensive end. So, you know, I, they would group me with all the other defensive ends and you would go mm -hmm. off and the, you'd run the 40, do the vertical. And then they would have you, you know, do like agility drills and different position specific drills to see how you moved. And uh, it's cool. Like every head coach and every, uh, mostly every coordinator is there at the combine and they sit you down and they, you go from team to team mm -hmm. um, and they interview you for like five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. They'll, they'll ask you a bunch of questions. They get, they, they kind of just get a quick feel for how you kind of guy you are. And, um, and then, uh, you know, based on that combine, they, they, they get like a rating for, you know, how fast you are, how strong you are, how powerful you are, all that, all that good stuff. Speaking of the, do you remember like how many, what your 225 rep number or stuff or your 40 time or things like that? Yes, I did. Now I, I got to think, I, I, so the con, they have the combine and they also have what are called pro days, which are the same things they do at the combine, but like individual teams or a couple of teams will come to your college and they'll retest you on their own. So I don't remember if it was my pro day or my combine, but my bench press was always, you know, I, I could do anywhere from 38 to 40 reps for 225, which at the time was the most anyone can do. Um, so that helped me a lot. Um, you know, it was the, it was the best at the combine. I, I'm sure it's been broken by, you know, by, by these guys, you know, that have played after me. Um, and I was 290 and I did run, I ran, you know, between a four five and a four six something. Wow. So I drew a good speed and my vertical leap was 40 inches, which was for a guy my size was very unique. So, um, you know, yeah, so that, that was the pack, perfect package. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, look, I, I definitely, like I said, there weren't guys getting drafted out of University of Pennsylvania or Harvard or Princeton, not often, at least, um, maybe once every decade or something. And then um, it's a little different now, but, um, you know, that, that combine, those numbers are definitely what got me drafted because the level of play, you know, that was the big issue is that, well, even if I dominate in an Ivy in the Ivy League, you know they have to try to figure out if how that would match up if you were at Georgia or Alabama, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it was very that, that's that was the skepticism of, of drafting an Ivy League guy is, you know, was the level of competition is you're going to play like that against the best? So mm -hmm. um, they yeah. do the standard things, which is uh, they differentiate. But were you intimidated by the other guys there, or you kind of just held your own? No, I wasn't intimidated. I, I knew going in that I could do these very special things athletically. So I was just, I was, you know, a lot of these other guys were well-known names and had a lot of exposure. They played at big colleges. You know, I was dying to get in there so I could get everyone's attention. I needed to get people's attention. So I wasn't intimidated. And look, I was, you know, I was as big, as fast, and as strong as anybody at that combine. So I, I felt I had a lot of confidence back then. It seems like it was a, a very successful combine for you. But speaking of the interviews, so did you sense that obviously you were drafted by the Panthers, but did you sense that they had a certain interest in you or did other teams kind of give you a sense or did you have no idea going in to the draft? Yeah, the combine, you don't, you don't know much about the, about the coming out of the combine because everybody talks to you, right? They talk to everyone. But they do, they do put you through every team – has the opportunity to put you through their own doctor's 
check checkups. So they, if they want to MRI something, they send you to their MRI. If they want to X-ray something, if they want to do a, a physical check on you, they do it. So that takes forever. That takes like two days to get through every team's doctors. But um, you know, so after they get all that combine information, and then they have these bowl games. Like I, I was, I was the first Ivy League guy invited to the Senior Bowl, which is like an all-star game. It's it's like you know. A lot of the guys in the combine were invited to the senior bowl and um it was the it was the best of the best in college and that after the senior i had a very good senior bowl week you know you have two practices that you used to i don't think they do it anymore you used to have two practices a day and then on the week then at the end of the week you had a game and every scout is there and every and all the coaches and they're watching every every drill everything you do and that is where i was able to show you know that i could play against the guys from alabama and georgia and you know that I was more intimidated at the Senior Bowl because I just never had played against you know that level of guy. Um, but I quickly, you know, look after the first hit, you everything goes to you know you put everything aside, the nervousness, and, and I knew I could I could I I could play with them. So um, after the Senior Bowl, I started to have there were teams that start to hone in on you, and um, the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I thought they were going to draft me because they had. People come to the school. They gave me a cell phone to hold during the draft, and they were going to call me before they draft. So I was—I thought they were going to draft me, but they ended up not. And the, um, they drafted another defensive end in the first round, so I didn't think they were going to do that. Do that, and then um, I had no idea after that. The Panthers did bring me, and they flew me into Carolina. You know, during after the combine, I think after the right after the Senior Bowl, um, and they had me. Uh, toward the stadium and they had they did some x-rays of of like little injuries that i had and so I, I knew that they had some interest because they wouldn't have spent all that time and money otherwise but um i didn't know i didn't know for sure who was going to take me yeah it's panthers are it's like the third or fourth year expansion team according yeah to the cowboys been around so that's a very different feel yeah well absolutely and and, and back then it was like People, it was they were so new to the scene that like the average person would always be like, "Well, wait, is that you play for in Jacksonville or Carolina?" Like they didn't; those two teams were came at the same time. They were so new; they were interchangeable. I just have to explain to people that Carolina Panthers are an NFL team. They're not; they're not like a you know, like a farm team because people just didn't know them as well. Um, mm-hmm. Guys like you who love and watch everything about football certainly know, but the, yeah, the average Joe was newer well moving on to draft night must have been a crazy night so as you were selected in the third round 73rd overall what 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 was going through your head during rounds one and two or were you nervous that did you think that you would go early or did you kind of knew that it would come then or were you did you lose hope so take me through like what you felt in those early rounds yeah, I mean, I had a, I had like a draft party at my house, you know, to watch the draft with like guys on my team that I was really friendly with. My parents came, my sister, you know, like some close family and friends. And um, and I, you know, Mel Kuyper, you know, was the big draft. Uh, I don't know if he still is. I think he's still active, but he was the the main guy who did like the mock draft before, and everybody said what he said was 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 um, very well well. Uh, received so he had me going in the second round um and you know I, that was where I, I would love to go the second round but um you know after we got toward the end of the second round 
Yeah, I was, I was nervous. I didn't know, you know, who knows, guys, sometimes, sometimes, you know, guys slide into the fifth or sixth round, especially because I was coming from a small school and there was questions and I had some, I had a few injuries that were, that were pretty, you know, difficult in college. So I was pretty pleased when they picked me in the third or in the, early in the third. Yeah, it was very early, 73rd. And, um, well, obviously you were drafted by Carolina, but if, did you, when those Cowboys picks came around, did you get like a little extra hope? Yeah, well, you know, the first, they had an early pick. In the, yeah, 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 they were like, I don't know what number, but let's just say they were like middle of the first round. So I was, I was hoping is that they wouldn't take a defensive end, you know, because then I thought maybe they would take me with a second round pick. That's what we had talked about. Um, but they took like the number where they got like the, the top defensive end. I don't remember who exactly, maybe Greg Ellis or somebody out of North Carolina. I think they, he, he was still available then and they took him. And so I knew after that, they're not going to, I didn't think they were going to draft two defensive ends. And when you got the call, obviously must've been an amazing moment, but when you heard that it was Carolina to you, what was your initial reaction? You know, it's funny because I the, the I think the Jets or somebody picked right before Jets or Giants. One of the New York teams pit was picking right before Carolina, and um, and uh, you know they, what they do is they call the head coach calls you right before they're going to draft you. Um, so I got the phone. The phone finally rang. Nobody was allowed to touch the phone because you had to leave the phone line open. And um, the phone rang, and I go, and it was the Jets pick or something. I said, oh. I'm going to the Jets. And I picked up the phone and it was Dom Capers, who was the coach of Carolina. And he said, no, you're coming to Carolina. We got, we have, we have the next pick. So I just, it was, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was a cool yeah, experience. Especially. Yeah. It must've been great. So let's fast forward. So training camp and, uh, uh, after the draft comes around. So what was your initial impression coming into the building, being with these veterans, or especially, like, how were you and the rookies welcomed in? And what was the initial sense, especially because it was a new franchise? Was there, like, hostility, or how how were you welcomed in? Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I think because it was a very young franchise, we didn't have, like, tons of, of guys who had been there forever, like, really long veterans. We had guys who were veterans in the NFL, mm-hmm. but not so much to, to Carolina. So that probably worked in my favor because the veterans weren't that, they weren't that difficult on the rookies. Um, yeah, I was nervous. Look, it was, it was like, you know, you go from being, you know, a senior in high school where you're like to climb the hill to become a senior. Then you go to college, you start at the bottom again, you get to be a senior and you're at the top of the hill and you're pretty confident and everything. And then you go back to the, in the NFL, you know, you're at the, you're a rookie and, uh, and the guys are, are incredible. I mean, it's like, yeah, to be in a lot NFL locker room is is unique. The guys are are massive and they're and they're you know they're just fine tuned. Except for the offensive linemen, they're fine tuned athletes. <laughs> yeah, the offensive linemen are finely tuned athletes too. But they're just a little chunky. Hmm. Well, uh, I know that they kind of talked to you. They flew you out uh, initially before the draft. But do they ever? Did you ever have the conversation where it was it was kind of like we're going to put you, we're going to develop you, or we're going to start you? Or did you kind of know your role coming in, or were you kind of just going with the flow? 
Yeah, um, just going with the flow. I mean, look, they had – I got there as a rookie, and um, we had Tom Capers and his staff, and then I think my second year there, that whole staff got fired, and a whole new staff came in. So, you know, things change, and the NFL just changes very fast, you know. Um, I, I didn't think – you know, there, there were some pretty good defensive guys ahead of me. Um, that were that were you know Kevin Green and um, and Greg Lloyd and some superstar guys that were you know they were they were they were starting, um, but yeah it was um, it was a brave new world. Well, I know that um, sadly there's a lot of injuries, especially in preseason or training camp. So, so t- what kind of happened? Was it during the first or second off season? What just what overall happened? So during during uh, my rookie year, I came in. We had a bunch of camps, and I did pretty I did well. You know, I was I was I was um, feeling pretty good. I think the coaches were pretty pleased. And then um, when we went to two days, I, um, I I injured my back, um, and I had a disc that that dis, that dislodged. So they had to fix that. Um, you know, just very, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't, no way around it. You have to have surgery. So I did. And, um, when they went into the surgery, they said, look, you have a lot of damage back there. And I had heard, I had some back injuries in college. So I, I knew I had some damage, but I didn't know to what extent. And, um, you know, they, they said, look, you have, you, you really have very little discs between the spinal columns, you know? So, you know, we'll, we'll fix it up the best we can and we'll see how you do. And, um, and then when I came back, they put me on injured reserve, um, and I, you know, trained the team and came back and did myself back in the best shape I could. Um, but the following year, you know, uh, it just I, I ended up having to have what's called a spinal fusion, where they they just bypass the discs and they fuse the spine together. And um, yeah, it just was very, it was it was pretty clear that. You know, you lose a lot of flexibility. You lose some speed. You lose, you know, you lose a lot with a spinal mm-hmm. fusion. So especially in my the level I had a fuse. So it was disappointing, um, you know, for sure. But um, you know, I it was I just you know I try to I try to look back and just you know what an amazing experience for a guy like me to be able to you know mm-hmm. to go through that process. So, so few people ever get to do that. So for me, it was you know I have nothing but. but great memories and everyone gets injured. I just got injured a little earlier. Yeah. So did you ever, uh, consider going back into the league after the initial two years or were the injuries too severe and you just. Yeah, it was too, it was a, unfortunately when you have a, a a certain type of spinal fusion, um, especially in my position, the team, you know, the NFL, um, you know, you no longer will be covered by their insurance. You know, like they, they, they can't, you know, they give you what's called the career ending injury, you know, label and they, and they, they pay out the rest of your contract and they do, you know, they do a few things that are, that are, that are good, but you're not, you know, there's no chance of, you know, your, your spine never gets unfused. So, um, yeah, it never, never came back. And, you know, it, um, you know, and, and I think after my playing career, I I wanted to lose. I was very, you know, I was very large for my. I always had to fight to keep weight on, and, and it was just constantly working out. And he, 
And I think I lost a lot of weight pretty quickly when my career ended. Like I couldn't really lift as much because, you know, right away I couldn't for, for a year or so because of the back injury. So I just ate less and, and I became much more, more, more normal of a size human. Look, you're still a pretty big guy, but. Yeah. Well, I've gotten back into working out and, 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 you know, but look, I weigh 250 something now. I was, you know, up near 300 when I played. So. I'm still 50 pounds lighter. Yeah. They really, did they like force feed you or you kind of just did it yourself? Yeah. They told you what, where they wanted you to be in terms of weight. And, you know, if you wanted to, you know, you pretty much do what they, they ask. You know, I, I, I had to, the other defensive linemen were much bigger than me when I got there. So I said, Jesus, I got to keep my, I got to keep my weight up. So eating is a full-time job for sure. But they feed you. They feed you with good food all the time. Yeah, it must have been tasty. Well, moving on to, well, I know you've been removed for like uh, 20 years or so. So I know that it's very impressive. It was a big pivot from the NFL to starting your own doggy daycare industry called Spot. So how did those two kind of, how did you go from the NFL playing with huge guys and like violence and things like those things that motivate you to play into going into a very, uh, you know, nice and furry and lovable career. Well, I didn't go right from the, when I, when the NFL, when my NFL career ended, I went um, to go work um, in finance for, for, for some years. Mm-hmm. So I made a little money and, and um, you know, I went to, I look at the, one of the benefits of going to, an Ivy League school was that, you know, I had, I had a good network of connections and I was able to go find, you know, do something that was, that was exciting um, and learn about money and investing and all that good stuff. And then, um, you know, I had these, I had a St. Bernard and a Mastiff in the city in a little apartment. So everybody thought I was nuts, but I love big dogs, as you know. And, um, Mm You know, I, I always was trying to figure out where, how to get them taken care of during the day when I when I was at work, and um, it was very hard to find like good level of care. So, and there was a few daycares around, but they were not, they just weren't, you know, well run businesses. And and I saw um, an opportunity, and I and I put some. I put a, at first, I put a bunch of my own money, and I bought I bought a couple locations, and then I built a couple locations, and um, and they did really well, and I just kept growing and growing and. You know, at first, you know, I, I, I had a, one of my passions in life outside of sports and football is definitely animals. I love, I love my dogs. I love, you know, I love animals in general, but, you know, always had an affinity. So, and I had good relationships that I knew a little bit about, about, you know, the different places that would make for good partnerships and things in the city. And, and it just worked out, it worked out well. And it was, it was a great, you know. It was a totally different, but also a great experience. Yeah, and especially getting the chance to pl- go to an Ivy League, which is great education, and also being a standout there, there could be both beneficial to your life after the game. So thinking more from a game perspective, uh, I know you know the ins and outs of football, obviously, but what do you think the biggest thing that has changed on the field with gameplay since you've been off the field. So like what kind of, what's the biggest thing that you think has evolved over these years? 
Well, um, in terms of like the guys themselves, I just think they're the advancement, you know, over the last decade or so of um, the way they, they understand nutrition and the way they understand the ways to work out to keep your body, you know, I, we used to do a lot of like heavy power lifting type moves, which are very rough on the body, especially if you're a lineman, defensive lineman, and they just don't do that anymore. You know, it's too, it's too taxing. So they do, they have all these different, you know, um, amazing strength programs and, and coaches. So they're, they're big, they're fast and they're in really good physical shape. Um, and, and they're dur- more dur- durable. Um, but the game itself as a defensive lineman, like, you know, we used to be able to, to just kill the quarterback. You know, that was like, if he was in yeah. your sights, now you can't even like blow a kiss to him. You'll get a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. The rules have evolved greatly. But people say it, it's a good time to be a quarterback. It's not a lot of hits. Yeah, no. It's, I mean, look, look at a guy like Tom Brady. I mean, he has played through times where they could tee off on him and hit and, and knock his head off. And now he's like, you know, they, they look at him in the wrong way and they, and they get penalized. So, yeah, I do think it's a good time to be a quarterback. And, look, the NFL in general knows that people love offense, right? I mean, in all sports, yeah. people love scoring. So they just have made the rules. you know. And plus – these quarterbacks are making forty million a year or whatever they're making. You know, they're they're they they just can't. And even with that, even with these rules, like you still see a lot of guys getting hurt this year. Um, so they're just trying to protect. You know, they want the offense to have all the advantages, and they want quarterbacks to last. Um, you know, uh, and to be able to complete these exciting passes and so on and so forth. Um, that's probably the biggest. And then and then look, we also just the technology is amazing. Like you watch yeah. a game. It's like it's like watching a video game now. Like you know, they are speaking in their helmets and they're talking to coaches and they're you know they're um, you have every angle and 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 you know the amount of they, they didn't even have. I mean, fantasy football was like you know like a really random thing when I played. Like it just wasn't didn't hit yet. Now it's like everybody is so invested in every player's statistics and you know it's it just it's just a different world. It's a different world. Yeah. And I think it's great. Yeah, it really has evolved. And I think, especially from a defensive standpoint, it could probably be looked at as negative to the overall quality of the game, especially from a defensive lineman position. As you said, you can't perform like these exact moves that, and techniques that you were taught because of the new rules. So it's, it's obviously very different. But I think... The fundamentals are still there. It's just the way you take them down, is my guess. Yeah, look, they pay. Look, to be fair, the guys make more and more money every every couple of years, right? They keep, pass rushers make a lot of money in the NFL. You know, they're very valued as well. But the the the, the difference is like you saw the you know even something like the game last weekend. You know, with the um, the Bengals and the Chiefs, right? Like, you know, look, he he pushed them out of bounds, but you know, I. It, Little, you know, how many games have you seen this year where like it gets decided because of a, a, a questionable hit on the quarterback where a guy can't stop himself? Like you have a 280 pound, 290 pound guy coming full speed trying to get around another 300 pound guy, and then you know he gets like a foot from the quarterback, and you want him to like completely pull off. It's hard to do. It's it's hard to mm-hmm. do. So you know you do see that affecting a lot a lot of games, but. It's not going to get. It's not going away. They're only going to protect guys more and more. 
And that's why I think guys do a lot of ballet and body control stuff. So in that situation, they could have more control. But I do think, well, look, he was obviously out of bounds. His foot was on the white. But it is, (laughs) like, five years ago, that wouldn't have probably been called, or, like, ten years ago. So it's very definitely the the officiating from the officiating standpoint it's obviously a lot more intricate so yeah a lot of that could change in a lot of years so but it's great to see it's getting better i know i haven't been around as much as you but uh you know i like to observe these things i think it's interesting yeah look i love i love it's you know, I, I appreciate the game and I love it. I love watching the, the battles up front. You know, I love, I really can appreciate having played defensive line. I just, I just watched these guys today and there's so many great guys and look, the offensive, there's some great offensive linemen too, but um, I think to be a, a really uh, spectacular defensive lineman nowadays, you have to, it's even harder than it used to be, right? Like you, 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 you can't, you know, you, you, you know, we used to be able to to do just about anything to the offensive lineman as long as you didn't rip his helmet off. Um, yeah. Now, like they call defensive hands to the face and hold. I mean, they call things left and right. So, you know, I res- these guys have to. Um, you know, it's just that much more uh, difficult to be to be great. But there are great guys there, and there really are. They're amazing athletes. What would you say that? Well, you're obviously were well-versed in a, probably a lot of moves. What do you say your signature pass rush move, like the bull rush, the spin? What do you think you were, your best move was or effectively? Yeah, what, what I used to love to do is very early in the game, like on the first pass, the first, you know, you, could have, you can tell when they're going to pass because the linemen are leaning back, you know. Um, so the very first pass rush, I'd like to come – as hard as I could under the guy's helmet with both both fists. So I'd bang his head back and he would take a real shot and he just and he just didn't want I didn't care if I got to the quarterback. I just wanted to to put a real hit on the on the offensive lineman. So that um, then from there, if I could do that successfully, you know, I could use my speed very easily because, you know, whether it was a swim move or, or a um, or just a rip and club, you know, once you get guys out of their comfort zone where they're they're trying to make sure they get back and they don't want to really get get bull rushed and you know you have a lot of um you have a lot of opportunities so um you know look i see like i love the way aaron aaron uh, donaldson plays right um aaron donald rather um because he the people are so afraid that he's going to bull rush them you know he's so mm-hmm. powerful that you know he owns them when he when he has when he's having a good game he owns the guys they have to double and triple team him. so you know that that i i in my own little small way i tried to do the same thing yeah, it's a lot of a guessing game, I guess, from an offensive line standpoint. You don't know what they're going to come at you with, especially if you said you, you get them out of their groove and rhythm. It's easy to exploit them. Yeah, and look, today in today's game, which is different than when I played, um, they you have a lot of mobile quarterbacks, and they do the RPO, you know, the run-pass option all the time, mm-hmm. and they have these offenses developed around you know, look at the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, for instance. Like, you know, and and even Mahomes when he's fully healthy. I mean, you know, they're a threat to take off on any play, and that, you know, is different. That that makes it much harder to to play defensive line because you have to you can't let you can't lose con- contain you can't let the guy get outside if you're on the end. 
but you're also trying to beat him and he know he knows you can't you can't lose that outside shoulder so yeah that's another another piece of the game that that is exciting it's very offense friendly is, is these and i don't know how these quarterbacks you know i guess that's why we see a lot of injuries like these quarterbacks are, are getting out of the pocket and they can take a hit out of the pocket so yeah are- i think i agree i was thinking that as well a lot of what i see a lot more mobile quarterbacks you 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 uh there's is the threat of a run so i think it obviously must be harder especially if you're an edge rusher trying to see on rpo if he pulls outside or if it's a run inside so i bet it would be a lot harder now to play the end yeah it would be and um and look i gotta tell you harry you you were on top of Mahomes and the Chiefs. You were way early, man. You were, we remember we used, to, we used to make fun of you early on. Remember when the Chiefs were, couldn't get anything going, and you were like, "Listen, man, this guy Patrick Mahomes, he's a special guy." And now, you know, everybody loves him. So, but you were you were there before everybody else. Like you did that much. Yeah, right. a lot of a lot of uh, skepticism comes with uh, five straight AFC championships. Yeah, yeah, but remember, out of college, there was a lot of questions about Mahomes, right? Like, they, yeah, he was, he was only he was drafted fifteenth. He wasn't like a top guy. Yeah, and was, even but... even at fifteen, they got you know you had guys that thought, you know, that that just thought he was non traditional and he did threw the ball funny and that wasn't going to work in the NFL. And you know, meanwhile, now it's like his signature his signature moves, right? Yeah, I feel like he as an individual was kind of pivotal to the change in quarterback play because uh, he's not, he is very mobile obviously, but he's not really a designed runner like Kurtz or guys like um, Lamar Jackson. But I think just the, like the threat that he could take off and like his mobility is what shifted the quarterback the ideal quarterback because now you want a guy who could do all the things that Mahomes could do. He is the threat of running. He has a great arm. He's a good pocket passer. So I think he's the kind of guy that set the bar as a different style. A different yeah, style. I agree. I agree. Look, you have the guys like, you know, you have like the Josh Allens of the world now who are, you know, they have to be, you know, they're great passers, but they have to be able to take off, right? Like if, if they're like, look at even Mahomes last week when he got hurt. You know, um, or, or you know, and he was limping. Like you got very nervous. He happens to be such a good athlete and such an amazing quarterback that he overcame it. But um, and he and he was able to play straight drop it. But we we're talking about defensive ends. If that quarterback, if a big threat is, he's going to take off on you, and that makes it very hard to play. You know, against that kind of quarterback, you can't over pursue. You can't just fire off the you know because he's going to take off and be a big hole. Um, when you know, if if you have just a you know a guy who now can't take off, well, you can change the way you play a lot, right? You can really just tee off and go because you know he's not yeah. going to run. So there's very That's, few guys think, that, I, that there's very like, few guys I see that can't run today. Yeah. Well, guys like uh, Brady, who early, well, he's obviously dominant throughout his whole career, but now I wouldn't say he's lost his edge, but he's not certainly not the best athlete. Uh, running wise so I think that could be like a factor of why he wasn't as successful obviously there's a lot of issues with this team but I think he's a good example of how like the uh, ideal quarterback shifted from a very good pocket passer with obviously uh, tremendous 
reads and mental c- capacities to a guy like Mahomes who can do it all. So I think there's a fine line that the that the quarterback position is trying to meet between a like a stand-in pocket passer like Brady and a Lamar Jackson who takes off every other play. Yeah, I agree. And when you're paying these guys, you know, that it's a scary proposition. The, um, you know, look, I'll give Tom Brady the benefit of the doubt. He's also an old man, you know, like he's been playing for yeah. 23 years. So, you know, we all lose a little pep. If the, you come back to me 23 years from now, you tell me how your, how your 40s doing. <laughs> Well, it's not it's not great as of now so <laughs> well it, it, it'll probably get better you know until you become like from a boy to a real man and then i'll tell you from experience it does time is not friendly i don't know how i don't know how these guys like you know brady aaron Rodgers, you, you know these guys that are they're freaks of nature they're just freaks of nature then football i mean you don't see many offensive or defensive linemen that are that are approaching 40 because it's just your body can't usually sustain that. But, um, you know, those, those guys are, are, are amazing. I'd love to see Mahomes. I'd love to see – I'm rooting for Mahomes this weekend. I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I think Joe Burrow is a little cocky for my, for my life. I love the humility that Mahomes shows. You know, he's, that's why he's so – he's self-deprecating. You know, he does these commercials where he's, he laughs at himself. He always seems to say the right things. And – He's got a likability factor, you know. Joe Burrow, you know, I love I love humility. I always liked which were attracted to guys that had humility and were, you know, were yeah, those are the kind of people I wanted to be around. And um, you know, I get it. I get that he's an amazing player, but he try. I think he's a little too much like uh, wannabe Joe Namath, you know, with the fur coats and the cigars. Yeah. But I do think he's obviously a great quarterback, but I think if he had a little more mobility, it would make him because the perfect quarterback. He obviously is really – he could take off, but he's not, like, that big of a threat, I would say, to escape the pocket. Obviously, he takes off if all else fails. Yeah. I think if he had that edge like Lamar that Mahomes has over him mobility-wise, obviously not last game because of his ankle, but in general. Yeah, I'd agree. I think um... – you know, he, he is, I give him credit, though. He's slippery in the pocket. Guys get to him, and they just can't take him down. You know, it's just, it's just I mean, it's the same with Mahomes, and Mahomes can run. But Joe Burrow does, he does avoid taking sacks. You know, he seems to slip away, you know, which is just a good instinct. And very frustrating if you're a defensive lineman. If you get yeah, there, sure. you, you really want the guy just to go down. <laughs> Especially if you're not allowed to crush him when you get there. You know, you have to pull up. You can't hit him that hard. You can't hit him near his head. And it gives these guys the opportunity to escape. You see a lot of, I wouldn't say technique, but you see a lot of guys not even completing sacks because of the fear that they're going to, and the quarterback slips away. But I think that, I obviously agree, Burrow's very good in the pocket, but I just don't think he has the same threat of design run for him, design runs for him, but. He's obviously a great quarterback, and he's going to have a lot of successful years. So, yeah, and he's got, uh, look, Mahomes, Mahomes is doing it, you know, without Tyreek Hill, without some of the superstars, and he's making other guys play better, you know. You know, just Burrow, Burrow's got some great receivers. You know, he's he throws it up anywhere, and Jamar Chase grabs it, you know. So, um, but I, I think it's amazing how um, you love guys that, 
no matter what you do to change that team up, they still find a way. They find the next guy that they're going to throw to. They find, you know. Um, yeah, like you know. Tom Brady. He probably ex- experienced so many different uh, individual teams in terms of different guys and chemistry. And I think that's what makes separates the stars from the superstars is the ability to lead a team despite the personnel. Yeah, I mean, look, there's one thing. One thing that you can never overcome is a bad offensive line, right? Like, if you lose your offensive lineman and you just don't have great guys up front because injuries or whatever, it's almost impossible to be successful. You know, you you can't run, you can't you can't protect the quarterback. But outside of that, I mean, look, every receiver in the NFL, you know, every guy who's, who's made it to the NFL as a start is a superstar. You know, they're they're all very capable. They all can catch everything, yeah. and they all can jump, and they all can. Some guys are taller, some guys are faster, but but they're all very capable. If you can get the ball to them, you know, and make good throws, you're going to have success. If the offensive line can give you just a little bit of time, so you know, and 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 if, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Like, there's some great defensive line playing this weekend on both teams. Um, Chris the Jones. Uh, Chris Jones is, is one of the best. You know, um, the Eagles have an have an awesome defense. You know, all around they're really good, and uh, I, you know, I'm no, I'm not a huge Jalen Hurts fan because I, I, I mean, he's he's obviously proved a lot of people wrong this year, but I, I just, you know, I don't know, I, 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 I don't, I think he's in, um, you know, he's got to have a really, if he's got to play perfectly to beat the Chiefs, unless Mahomes is more injured than we think, which I hope is not the case. Well, on that note. Do you have any early picks for the game? Um, I would, if I was a betting man, I would, I would take the Chiefs. And um, I don't know, I don't know what the, um, know what the over under is. Do you? I think somewhere around fifty. My guess. Yeah, I mean that would be a tough one to pick because these guys can both light it up, right? They both can score like crazy. Um, I would say it's going to be the Chiefs, twenty-seven. To twenty. What's your call? I think thirty-one twenty-eight Chiefs. Thirty-one twenty-eight. Okay. Well, I think obviously both offenses have the ability to go down the field and score quickly, but it's it's going to be high scoring. But I think it's going to come down to a few defensive stops at the end. Turnovers it always comes down to turnovers when you get two good teams, right? Um. Last thing. So I know I'm playing football in high school and a lot of guys aspire to be in the league and coming from a guy who successfully did everything he could to get in the league and would have probably had a great career just uh if injuries hadn't limited him what do you what what advice could you give to kids even at the peewee age up to college to to reach their dreams so what do you have to say about that well look you know, you, you every everybody knows all the all the 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 big themes, right? You gotta be resilient. You gotta be dedicated. You gotta want it. If you don't want it, I coach my son's football team now, who's who's you know they're nine and ten, and I say to the kids all the time, look, if you gotta want it for yourself. If you don't want it, you never. It's never gonna happen. Like nobody else can want it for you. Your parents can't love sports and really want you to be successful. You, you know, you have to have that desire. And, you know, as a, a very specific tip, I'd say, if you're in high school and you play football, buy a pair of those strength shoes. 
you know, the shoes that have the platform on the, on the toe, you know, the, 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 um, look them up. They're called strength shoes and you do their workout and you, you lose, I should get paid by the company. They get, you lose two tenths of a second on your 40 and you gain like four inches on your vertical leap minimum. They're amazing. You do that workout. That was the best thing I ever discovered as a, as a collegiate athlete is that someone introduced me to strength shoes in the off season. I did the workout that came with them and got so much faster and so much more explosive. So they don't use them as much anymore, but they, but they're, I, I may have to treat you to a pair. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for being on. It was a great, it was great talking to you. Yes. You too. You too. Great. Good podcast. I'll be watching next week's, uh, Next week's guest. Hopefully, it'll. Um, I don't know if we could uh, top this, but I'll try. Yeah, I don't, it, may, it may not be possible, but you know, maybe you'll get like LT or somebody, and then you know, you'll, you'll I'll be top. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right, pal. All right, thanks for having me on. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Harry's Take. What's your take?